This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. How are you doing is a common greeting in the Western world and one that seriously lacks in sincerity. Most of the time, we really don't want to know because it is simply a substitute for hello or hi or hey if you're from south of the Mason-Dixon line. It's just a greeting. Recently, on a particular busy day, someone greeted me in the hallway where I work and said in a creative version of this greeting and asked, how's it going? And before I knew it, I blurted out, I'm overwhelmed with opportunities. They looked at me like a Missouri mule looks at a new gate, utterly confused with my answer. As I walked on, slightly embarrassed, I reacted to my own Freudian slip, and it occurred to me that I spoke from the depth of my mind, and that phrase has since spoken volumes to me. I'm overwhelmed with opportunities. We are. I am overwhelmed with opportunities to partner, to help, to work for and with people and organizations who are doing so much to do things right, to work, and to survive. The opportunities for this work are limitless. The opportunities for partnership know no boundaries, and at the same time, the need for strategic thinking is absolutely necessary in order to evaluate all these huge, potentially powerful opportunities. Jerry Brisson and I are back to discuss our parameters for partnership, who needs us, and who do we need to take Michigan to the next level of food security. You come back and be with us. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here, Jerry Brisson, sitting across the studio. How are you, Jerry? I'm good. You know, I was just making sure my microphone was on. We have a, a pretty, pretty important show today, and uh, we've already talked about some of these things several times, and I know I can get off on a tear, so I was just making sure that you actually had my microphone on. I would, ne- I would <laughs> never do that. We would never. Mark and I would never do that to you. <sighs> So, um, in the monologue, I talked about being overwhelmed with opportunities, and that's a really great problem. No question about it. There's so many people that win when food security is created or when food insecurity is solved, depending on which way you want to look at it. So so what's been happening as a result of bringing more attention to this and having more conversations with people who can make a difference and make an investment and really see the benefit of that investment is they're coming forward and saying, okay, let's figure out specifically how do we make a difference? How do we change the equation for the better for our community? And of course, those opportunities are exactly what we're looking for. Well, they are. And there is a lot of people, but, you know, there's a lot of organizations. And I guess some of it starts with the the idea that you've got to have a, what, uh, a way to evaluate these opportunities. And uh, a guy who's really smart, I respect a lot, 
that would be you, of course, um, <laughs> taught me how you kind of go through this as a process to, ev- to evaluate opportunities for partnership. And I think one of the things that you have really helped drill into me and to my team, and, and that is it, it, it can't be about the organization, right? It can't right. be about what's best for the food bank council or what's best for any of the seven food banks across the state. It really has to be about what's best for the community and the people living there. And if you keep that as your premise, you keep that as your focus, as your target, it's really difficult to go wrong. Well, and to the degree that we really understand and involve the people who we're talking about in the solution and in, you know, so so a, a corollary to that idea is any food we distribute that's not consumed is 100% waste. Not just the food is wasted, but all the effort it took to source that food, hold it in inventory, have an agency then decide it's what they want, get the food to that agency, and then get it to a consumer— If that consumer then throws that away, all that effort is for naught, right? So that that could be a huge cost. That's painful. And you don't want to bear that cost. So how do you avoid that? How do you avoid the danger of going through all that effort and then having the food not be consumed? And, And by the way, I want to be careful here. I don't want to give the impression that a lot of the food that we're distributing is going to waste in that no. way. What I, but we what, don't want any of it to. Well, and as we have grown, and I mean the the Food Bank Network has grown significantly even in the last five years here in Michigan, you have to start really looking at all of these issues because the more distribution you do, the more risk there is that you're going to have unintended consequences like maybe we're giving out too much of one thing at a time Mm -hmm. and people can't take it all but they will and maybe they'll share it with their neighbors and we know that happens a lot but we have to make sure that you know as we get more and give more that it's happening in the way that really makes the most impact for every dollar that we're spending so it's a shift that's happened across the nation and particularly here in michigan where we've moved from just measuring out puts to really trying to determine what are our outcomes. Yeah, and because you've got two words that start with out, it can be real confusing the difference between the two. For us, the easiest way to understand it is we used to measure pounds. We got this many pounds in, we got this many pounds out, and so more pounds is better. That's an output. Right. We're outputting pounds. An outcome would be because people got that food, they had fewer trade-offs this month. They mm-hmm. could pay more bills, right? They mm-hmm. could they could take time to work on things like job training or or getting their car fixed even because right. they didn't have to take time to figure out where to get that food from. Right. Those are outcomes. Right. And so when you move from outputs to outcomes, what you're really doing is you're saying, let's not talk about just our piece. Let's talk about how our piece really changes people's lives for the better. Yeah. And that's a better framework anyway because it makes you ask deeper questions about the impact of your work. And it's, yeah. Right. It's what makes you measure yourself in a different way. If we were just talking about outputs, which are the pounds we received, the pounds we got out. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't measure that. We do. We we have and we, we will continue to do that. 
But what was the what was the impact of that food in the household? And you guys have a way of measuring that. And one of those ways is empowerment. Yeah. So empowerment is really uh, we, we think of it as about two key things. The first thing is by taking away this problem, this problem of not enough food on the table, we enable people to work on other important things that have a long-term impact, right? And so that is empowering, fundamentally empowering. By taking away this challenge, people can address other challenges. The other thing about empowerment is as we bring food and recipes that provide, for example, a healthier home environment, Being healthier is fundamentally empowering in other ways. Your brain works better. Your body works better. Your ability to manage problems goes up. And all of those things are empowering. So making the best choice, the easy choice, is a very empowering thing to do. So kind of two sides to that for us. Both are important and both are things that we're actually measuring in specific detail. We're really looking at, okay, so how many fewer trade-offs are people having in a month? And of course, every household's a little bit different. You have some households that may be managing two or three. You have other households that may be managing eight or nine trade-offs a month. Right. So, so, you know, when we think about all of the things that, that we have to figure out in our day-to-day life, whether it's childcare or paying the electric bill or, or buying food or, or having transportation, all of those things are things people absolutely need, and you really can't do without any of them. So thus the, the difficult trade-offs that create toxic stress. Right. So that's the impact of the food that we're distributing into the household it empowers people in different ways, but yet it enables them. And so, I, 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 again, that's a little different than just measuring how many pounds went out the door. Right. That's exactly right. And it, it, it really helps us understand not only from the perspective of the consumer, but also the, from the perspective of the investor. So if you're a, a business, especially a small business, that can only afford to pay wages that don't quite make a living wage, And that's all you can afford to do. Well, how does addressing food security in multiple ways through other channels allow a person to stay in that job anyway? And then by staying in that job, create the resume they need, create the work experience that they need, create the opportunity to move up either there or somewhere else. All those things happen if we can enable that person to stay in that job long enough. Well, how many hours are you going to work at a wage that you can't feed your family? Right. Not many. No. Not many. And there are there are government programs, but, you know, only 63% of the people that we serve are uh, on the SNAP program. They're benefiting from the SNAP program or food stamps. Right. So that means uh, 37% of the people we serve aren't getting that benefit. No. But they're working. But they're working, and they make too much money to receive that benefit. And so what do you do when the the wage isn't a living wage? Well, you've got to have policies and programs and a safety net that actually works for everyone if you want to see the kind of community that we all want to live in. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. This is Food First Michigan. And Jerry and I will be back to talk about how these opportunities are overwhelming us But we're excited about them. Come back and be with us.
contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're back here in the WJR studio. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, and Jerry, um, I am a little overwhelmed to be candid with you because there's, as people start to hear about the work of the network and what we're doing and where we're doing it at, they're 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 coming. This this week, I had um, active people who are leading work in the veteran community uh, coming to me to say, "Phil, we we need really need to address food insecurity among our veteran population." And I'm like, "Man, I'm." totally believe that and want to help and you know i know you've had conversations in that arena before and you know it's it's a difficult but there's my point being is that once people realize how effective and how much impact access to healthy nutritious food when hunger comes off the table in a household that how much healthier everyone is and so I think that's one of the reasons that some of these groups, we're not just going to them, figuring out who wins when we win. They're coming to us. Yeah, and one of the challenges in that is, you know, uh, the food banks in Michigan, all of us, I think I can speak for pretty pretty clearly on this, we don't have stockpiles of food that we don't know what to do with. Right? We're, we're distributing everything we get. Everything. Right? And usually... Our turns are like on on produce or milk or something like that. It's every day. On on things that have a little longer shelf life, it might take a couple weeks. But the bottom line is my entire distribution facility is completely turned very fast. And that's true across the network. And that's exactly right. Every food bank has the same basic dynamic. So you don't have tons of food sitting in your warehouse going, I don't know where to, to distribute this at. So a lot of times when people step forward and say, gosh, we really want to solve this problem, there's an underlying assumption that you're just going to give me this food. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, th- that's part of the equation for sure. We we need to get food and get it to you. We, we get our role and we understand that that's what we do and we're good at it and we can do it better than anyone. So we like that and that's okay. But let's talk about the other part of what a real partnership looks like. Because you can't just have one giver and one taker to make a good partnership. And that goes throughout the entire business that we do, right? So you can take this to an individual level. You can take it to a w- internal organization conversation. You can turn it into a collaborative, and it's the same principles throughout. So I know you and your wife have an awesome relationship. Right. Uh, yes. Christy's delightful. She's great, and uh, and she's good to work with, and she's so kind-hearted, and many many other positive things. But if you think about that relationship, you have priorities that align. You want to do the same good things in life, and you support each other in wanting to do those things. Your priorities are aligned, and you both invest in it. You don't just talk about it; you actually work at it. You both pay the price to accomplish those priorities, whether it's for your children or whether it's for your community or whether it's for each other. And lastly... I'm going to make sure that she listens to this episode. But it's true. It's obvious. I mean, you know, anyone that knows you would know this. And then lastly, you both benefit tremendously 
from the investment that you make in each other. You're happy. You, you know, when you get home, you can't imagine wanting to be anywhere else. Right. She's my favorite person. Priority, pain, and payment. Hmm. That's the principles, right? Those are the things you both, and by pain, I mean you win when the problem is solved. You both have things you want to be better. And you right. win when the problem is solved, and so it makes you happier, right? You're, you're accomplishing the filling the voids in each other's soul. So that's what the partnership, those are three principles that you have taught me about partnership. That, that the potential partner should share your pain, the potential partner should share your priority, and the potential partner should share your payment. So you just used an individual relationship. But these three translate straight over to a collaborative. And the problem that I've seen and experienced in most collaborative relationships is those three things are not present. And it takes time to think them through, right? So if you approach a partnership by what can I get out of it, well, you're halfway there, right? (laughs) You now have to understand, well, what is this other person going to get out of it that's important to them. And in order to understand that, you got to elevate that to, well, what are their priorities and how do we understand their priorities? Or even, do we understand them? So to make that theory practical, we can talk about healthcare and how we started that relationship and where it is today much further along and accomplishing much more is because we started by understanding how do we align with the priorities of healthcare. Remember the triple aim? We mm-hmm. haven't talked about the triple aim no. of healthcare for a long time. But what is it? Better health, better care, and lower cost. Right. Right? Those that's the triple aim. Well, we started our relationship by by looking at, well, does food security provide better health? Well, there's no question about it. Right. Well, does it provide better care? No question it provides better care. Patients who are food insecure that get food are better cared for, period, regardless of whether it provides better health, which it does as well. And then lastly, does it lower costs? Well, There's so much research now that we didn't have then that continues to point to the fact that for sure there are populations where the cost is lowered significantly if food insecurity is addressed as part of their treatment plan. So their priorities, not Gleaner's priorities or not the food bank's priorities, the priorities of health care, better health, better care, lower cost. When we look at our priority of solving food insecurity and we put those two together, we can see that our priority and their priorities align. Step one in a good partnership, do our priorities genuinely align? And they did. And they do. Yeah. And you know, and you didn't really have to change. It's not like you were chasing money or chasing an opportunity. The opportunity was there and you just evaluated, here's what's important to them. Wow, that's the same thing that's important to us. And we think that this food, access to healthy, nutritious food, will have impact in all three of these areas. So now let's go another level deeper on how do we know that our priorities align. We learned that there's about 700,000 food insecure people in the five counties we serve at Gleaners. In those same five counties, there's 750,000 people on Medicaid. Hmm. Sounds like we're serving many of the same people. A little crossover there. We also learned that 
70% of prescriptions either say you must take with food or you can take with food. And yet food security was not a priority in the health care treatment plan. Well, that means people are getting medication, taking it home, and not getting the full benefit of that medication because they're food insecure. Right. Well, again, sounds like something that's a priority for health care is impacted by something that's a priority for us. So we learned what the triple aim of healthcare was. We got specific research and data about what are the populations that we're serving and what kinds of things are those populations getting from healthcare that aren't as effective because food security isn't addressed. And, and by bringing that to the attention of healthcare, a lot of people went, you know what? We've talked about this for a long time, but no one's ever put it this way before. It brings into focus food first, right? which is what this show is about. Uh, Probably right. a good time to say that. Yeah, absolutely. But also shows our sincerity as a partner to align appropriately with the priorities that healthcare already has. So they not only did you recognize their priorities, but you also recognized their pain because they weren't dealing with this. And consequently, their their care wasn't as effective as it could have been and should have been. Exactly. Their care, their cost, and the community health. Right. All of those things being negatively impacted by not addressing food insecurity as one of the tenets of uh, the health care treatment plan. Right. So, so, you know, now it takes a lot of work to get to the next step and figure out payment. Who mm-hmm. should pay for what? How should that come? Uh, we're still working on that, but we have made significant progress in the last few years of starting with, well, who does this affect most? People with multiple chronic conditions who are food insecure end up in the hospital and in the emergency room at a significantly higher rate than average. And as we've said before on the show, those are words that roll off the tongue pretty easy. But when you think about somebody's life, how often do you want to be in the hospital? Yeah. How many days a month? How yeah. many days a month do you want to spend in the emergency room? Yeah, I'm, These not, are, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> right. So the so people who are food insecure are spending a lot more time in those places, and they don't want to be there, and healthcare doesn't want them to be there. <laughs> so so we're figuring out how this gets paid for, and and have had successful partnerships where we have shared priorities, we have shared some pain. And we've shared some payments so that we can show how working together produces a better community, better stabilized and empowered households, and the right investment from everyone who wins when the problem is solved. I love it. The only thing that goes faster than time, Jerry, is an opportunity. And we've seized this opportunity in order to enhance the quality of life of people living in our communities. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. This is Food First Michigan. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Food First Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. We're back here, Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, and we're talking about principles for partnerships. Can I can I call this Jerry's principles for partnerships? <laughs> well, if I only knew they came from me, I'm probably not giving somebody credit they should get. So I think, but well, sure, why not? <laughs> why not? Well, I'll give it to you today. I'm not going to say I'm going to do it tomorrow. 
But, you know, when we're talking about the opportunities we have, really it started with a question that's like, who wins when we win? So when food security is created, who's who are the winners? And, you know, the devil's always in the details, right? But what we've discovered is that the economic benefit, okay, what's it going to cost to do that? The economic benefit of solving this problem of food insecurity on the front end rather than on the back end is makes so much economic sense. It's almost too good to be true. But it's not the only area it makes sense in. I mean, we've got other people coming to us that are going, hey, we want to get our pail under your well, <laughs> so to speak. We want to we want to figure this out because we see the impact it's making in healthcare. But there are other areas too, Jerry. And areas that we need to explore with the same diligence. So one of the areas we've talked a lot about that everyone has some experience with, every single person listening right now has had some experience with, is employment. Mm-hmm. Employment. It's uh, people work. People want to work. They want to spend the money they the way they want to spend it. And the vast majority of people we serve are no different. They want to be at work, and they're going to be at work. Well, when somebody who's food insecure goes to work, what happens? Right? What happens? So, so there's two ways people like to think about this problem. The first is from the standpoint of wages and and what's happening with wages and you know do employers pay enough do they do they give enough health care benefits do they give enough other things to actually make a job one that someone can be in and actually feed their family so that's one aspect of it there's a lot of conversation about that a lot of conversation about minimum wage a lot of conversation about affordable child care i mean there's so many housing conversations, the fight right? for 15 Absolutely the list right. goes on and on but there's another side to it too and the other side to it really has to do with if you don't address this problem in the workplace you're creating more problems for your your every single employee in your workplace not just the the people who might be struggling with food security. So why is that? Well, I mean, let's just start with the obvious. Are you happier when you're hungry or are you happier when you're not hungry? Look, there would not be near the the number of commercials talking about food and how people change and become hangry. I'm not I'm not labeling anything here. I got you. Yeah, so that 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 if 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 that if the antithesis of what you're saying is true. So if you want to retain your best employees and you think that the, that this issue is not making that harder for you, you're just not thinking it through. It is better for everyone if everyone who comes to work has had enough to eat. It just is. It's better for everyone. So now I say, well, how do you quantify that? How do you turn that into dollars and cents? Well, there's some really specific dollars and cents things you can look at. Turnover is one that we've already implied, but we'll just say it straight out. You lose good people and you lose people who feel like they're working 60 hours a week and still can't feed their family if you don't address this issue. Well, and the 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 average cost of turnover for just a a, a small a small business is thirty two hundred dollars. Every time somebody leaves, and you got to replace them, it's going to cost you th- on average thirty two hundred dollars. Right, and thirty two hundred dollars can get an awful lot of food. Oh yeah. <laughs> so then, but then, <laughs> particularly through us, think about customer turnover. 
Hmm. When you're training and retraining and retraining people who are interacting with your customers because you haven't addressed this issue in your place of employment, how many customers are you losing? And what is that costing you economically just because you haven't thought about, gosh, I should make sure that my staff is, is, has enough to eat just as a regular part of my benefit plan. And, and as we change that, so food banks employ people. And a couple years ago, as we were talking about this issue, we said, gosh, we should change the way we do our benefit plans because we should put food security as a priority. And I'll tell you, morale has gone up in every single food bank that has taken that approach. Mm -hmm. Every single one. We have food that's available in our lunchroom for anyone to take every day. It's fresh fruit. It's it's healthy snacks. It's, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We make sure that that food is available to our employees every single day. And you know what? We don't ask any questions. It's just there. So people can have it if they need it, and they don't have to explain. And I am telling you, morale went up immediately. We immediately got feedback from the team. You know what? This really matters. We like it. We, Whether they're using the food or not, they're communicating clearly how much they feel cared about just because it's there. Well, that's the key. As we've talked about on the show for a number of years now, food communicates value. And when you put this out and say, we're just doing this because we care about you, people, I don't know, I always feel better when people do something nice for me and makes me feel like that I'm cared for. So, of course, morale is going to go up. Because what you said is, I value you, I think a lot of you, and, and then the quality of the food that you give them Builds their own self-esteem. How can you go wrong? Don't get me started. Food communicates value. So, so as a benefit, which has a pretty low cost, we, we get a boost to morale right away. We do see less turnover and, and our overall healthcare costs have gone down. Hmm. That's the cost that we as a employer are paying to healthcare, um, you know, insurance, because in fact, our employees are healthier as a result of this benefit. Yeah. So let's put this in context. How many employees do you have? 110. Yeah. So this is not exactly a mom and pop shop you're running here. Right. You know, so, I mean, you're talking about it, not just from uh, a, a value based Nonprofit. We want to. We want to do right. We want to do what's best for the community. That's our mission. You're talking about this as a person who's running a business. That's exactly right. And and a business that our employees come first. And what does it mean when we put our employees first? And to put your employees first, you have to address this issue. You have to address the issue of food security in your own staffs. And we believe, and we have seen. Our costs improve and our morale go up and our turnover go down as a result of putting food first in our benefit plan. So in, in our benefit plan. So I could make, as an employer of, say, a company of 50 to 60 people, could I partner with you or the other food banks across the state to say, I want to give this benefit to my employees. I'm, I'm paying what I can pay. I'm doing what I can do. But I also want to help bring empowerment and stability and health to my employees. 
and I want to do it in partnership with you. So that's a great question. So the first thing we're going to talk about is priority, pain, and payment, right? (laughs) We're going to say, how do your priorities in accomplishing this align with our need to solve food insecurity? So to the degree that we know 47% of the people we serve are employed, if an employer comes to us that has that's that has a wage structure because that's what the economy creates for them where it makes sense to solve food insecurity by working with that employer on how we can make sure their employees are food secure we will want to be at the table and food banks across michigan will want to be at that table where we know that by solving that problem for that employer is helping us solve our problem of creating a food secure community that's the pain part right we are going to want to be at that table Share that pain point. And where we're both talking about how our investment in this is creating this opportunity and that investment will grow as we succeed, we want to be at that table. So the answer is yes, but through these principles that we're talking about, about partnership. And they are, we want to share the priority, we want to share in the pain, and we want to share in the payment. That's exactly right. And when those threes align... It seems like everybody wins. And again, the pain really has to do with it solves a real problem for both of us. Right. It helps us complete our mission and solves a real day-to-day problem that has multiple ripple effects across the life and the quality of not only families, employees, but also of the company. So, and that's those are the conversations that will bear the most fruit. And I think some of those same conversations leak over into our work But it also works in education. Are we going to talk about that in the next segment? You better believe it. All right. You come back and be with Jerry and I. We'll be back to talk about how aligning your priorities, your pain, and your payment affects and really has a tremendous outcome in regard to education and uh, their outcomes. Come back and be with us. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here in studio. Jerry, got a few minutes left here, so uh, we got another big area that we talked at the end of the segment, and that's education. Yeah, so once again, talking about the principles that make good partnerships. Mm-hmm. And and we, we really believe in our partnerships with education. Another area that's growing, another area where there's so much promise. And, I, and, and I'm just going to iterate one specific pain point, and that is when we have snow days here in Michigan. And this is mm. true for every school district. So so there is money that is set aside from the federal government for feeding kids in school. That money flows to our Michigan Department of Education that then flows to schools, right? So kids get a lot of meals in school. And it's really important for those kids to get meals in school. But every time there's a snow day, even though there's money set aside to feed those kids... They don't get those meals. We don't get to put, draw that money down from the Fed. Exactly right. And that is leaving hmm. a huge amount of money on the table. So that, my friends, is pain. When we talk <laughs> about pain, that is pain. It's pain for the families, it's pain for the school districts, and it's pain for the food banks because those families are now coming to pantries to make up the difference between what they would have gotten in school and now there's a snow day so they did not get that help. So... That alignment around pain is something we can work on. Hey, hey, and there's just physical pain here. I mean, so what if that snow day happens on a Friday or a Monday? 
or a couple days in a row. So now you're talking about multiple days in a row that this student, this child, did not have access to enough and certainly the right kinds of food. It makes you think totally different about about snow days. So again, not not a lot of time left, and I know we 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 have more to cover on this, but but it's such a clear example of how partnership principles matter. Focus in on those pain points. The USDA isn't accomplishing what they want. Michigan Department of Ed isn't accomplishing what they want. Students and teachers aren't accomplishing what they want. The food banks aren't accomplishing what they want, and the money is already there. Left. It's left on the table. I, that, that visual just bothers me. So Thanks for ruining my day. The table. Let's put food on the table and get that money off the table. Yeah, that's the, that, is, that, is, that would be the principle. Maybe that's the fourth principle for, <laughs> uh, for partnership. I guess it's time for a little food for thought. Zig Ziglar shared when your customers, clients, patients, or parishioners complain then this is a great opportunity for growth, learning, and above all, new business. Zig said, the complaining customer represents a huge opportunity for new business. We'll leave it to Zig to find the best of anything. We have new opportunities before us, and it may well be because the people that we serve do not want to need us. So let's help create opportunities for them, us, and all in our communities so that finally, one day, food security is created. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find us at foodfirstmichigan.org. That's foodfirstmi.org. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. He's Jerry Brisson. Thanks for listening. And until next week, remember, it really is food first, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.